0: KDBS listeners, you are listening to KDBS 90.3 FM coming at you live from Davis, California, in the basement of Lower Freeborn. So, you are listening to, you were just listening to the broadcast of the women's basketball game brought to you by um, our sports director, Patrick. Shout out, Patrick. Uh, and now you are listening to No Police Radio here on KDBS. And Let's see. Oh, yeah. Little disclaimer, the following views presented in this hour do not reflect the views of KDBS, KDBS sponsors, or the University of California. And we want to welcome you to No Police Radio. You can hear us every other week discussing all things abolition, from tuition to the prison industrial complex. Everything that has to go to make way for a free university we will feature conversations with guest organizers, abolitionist scholars, and people who have taken part in the university's radical history all with an eye towards how we get free. And my name is Local Bag. I will be your host, one of your hosts today. And you wanna introduce yourself?
1: What's up, I'm Juniper. I'll be co-hosting as well.
0: Awesome, we got Juniper in the studio as well. Super excited to be co-hosting today. We have a little bit shorter show than we're usually used to. Um, It just keeps getting shorter. Last quarter was two hours, now it's one and a half. um i mean all love to the women's basketball team um let's see yeah so don't mind giving up like 20 minutes of airtime just to highlight their talent um but yeah we have some very exciting things coming up for you in this episode uh we got special guest we have a special guest and um i'm not sure if we're gonna have time for our usual uh bad cop good project segment at the end we will see what how much time we have left, um, depending on um, how much time our guest has um, to be speaking with us today. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Am I missing anything? No, I think that's it. Okay, we yeah. have a really special guest coming up, and we're going to be introducing them right after this next music break. And just for your listening knowledge, the song that we played to start off this episode was Politico by the Mexican Institute of Sound. So, that was what we heard coming into the show. And we're going to go into one more music break and then we will introduce our lovely guest and we'll be starting the conversation from there. So, once again, thanks for tuning in to No Police Radio. And yeah, we'll be back in a sec.
2: All right, man, man. All right. right. Sea lime woman, she drink coffee, she drink tea, and then go home. Sea la woman, sea la woman, dressed line. in green, stockings with golden seams. Sea-line woman. Sea-line woman. Dressed in red. Make a man lose his head. Sea-line woman. Sea-line woman. Black dress on for a thousand dollars she wears and she moans. Sea-line woman. Wink at a man and he wink back now child, she like a woman. She make him love her, then she shoot fly away. She got a black dress on. For thousand dollars, she and she moan.
0: All right, we are back here with No Police Radio. We just listened to Sea Lion Woman by Nina Simone. And Juniper is gonna introduce our guest before we get right into the interview.
1: Yeah, so I'm super excited for today's guest. His name is Arnaldo Garcia. He is an activist and organizer with the Chiapas Support Committee based in Oakland, California. He has helped with countless projects and education initiatives that aim to provide direct aid for the Zapatistas autonomous movement in Mexico. And he is also a well-known poet and singer. Welcome to the show, Arnaldo. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Um, kind of low, but I can hear you.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I want to start off, could you, um, sort of introduce yourself a little bit more in your own words, and maybe share with how you got started with the Chiapas Support Committee?
3: Okay. Yeah. So, back in 1994, on January 1st, 1994, which was the first day of North American Free Trade Agreement, Mm -hmm. when it was, the day was started implementation the Sabalista Army National Liberation led an uprising that was um, triggered by NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and the the EZLN was the only organization and maybe the only movement that nobody had known existed because they had not they had been doing all the work in secret for more than ten years and before that
4: mm.
3: for about forty years. Of work, and um, at that same time in the U.S., we had led a movement against NAFTA as well.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: At that time, I used to work with the National Network for American Refugee Rights, and we were we were opposing NAFTA because it was going to make things worse for migrant workers. Mm-hmm. It was going to make things worse for workers, and it was going to it was going to be a disaster for the environment. Right. And in the U.S., labor and environmentalists they cut a deal and they basically accepted the North American free trade agreement. And they said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to monitor it for human rights abuses.
4: Mm.
3: Whereas the immigrant rights movement was saying, no, this, 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 there's already all these um, human rights abuses taking place in the U S in the, um, the border. Right. And then that happened. At the, the NAFTA was signed on November 17th, 1993. And unbeknownst to us, right. Uh, this indigenous group, the EZLN, came out saying that NAFTA represented a death sentence for indigenous people,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and that's why they were rising up.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That they were choosing how to how to die and how to live, and that and not submit themselves to the to NAFTA or all the other things that would lead to what's happening now. So when when the EZLN came out in uprising in on January first, nineteen ninety four, we were surprised but not shocked. Right. Because in Mexico there's been a lot of armed struggle movements for many for almost every every decade since the Mexican Revolution since nineteen ten, to overthrow the state, mm-hmm. you know, to abolish private land holdings, mm-hmm. abolish private property. And NAFTA was really the last blow, right? Because it it denationalized oil and anything below the soil. Mm-hmm. And it privatized land and made it available to foreigners. Right. And that's what the U.S. was after. was It was after energy resources, yeah. basically, hydroelectricity, oil, and uranium, mm-hmm. all of which are in which are located. There's a good supply of them in Chiapas in southeast Mexico. So, um, when they came out, right, uh, everybody was surprised. Some of us were not were not shocked. We might have been surprised, right? But, mm-hmm. but um, we we started, we responded to right, and there was a a big anti-war movement started right away to stop the war against the the communities in in Chiapas. And the war there lasted 13 days, and the Zapatistas forced the government into negotiations, which never really ended. And there's only, there's, the war has never been declared over. There's just an uneasy truce that the government holds in place. And that, and basically that's how I got involved in, in the United States, there's always been a binational movement with Mexico, organizing movement that's across borders,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and we were doing that with the migrant rights work, migrant workers' rights, with indigenous rights, and that's how I got involved. You know, back in 1994, at that time, the Zapatistas then recognized a Chicana woman, a Chicana as a woman mm-hmm. in the U.S. as their official representative, and. That person was the only Zapatista that, that without a mask on. Mm. And that also brought a heavy price to that person yeah. later on. And the, Me- the Zapatistas um, supported us organizing a network back then. It was a network of all the collectives, committees, organizations, and others that were uh, expressing and organizing solidarity and support for the Zapatista movement and for peace and justice in Mexico. And it was called a National Commission for Democracy in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mexicans have a, a a fondness of the word commission.
4: Right.
3: You <laughs> use that a lot to you know, when you organize something, it's a commission. Mm-hmm. And it's really just like a network, it's an organizing project. It's a it's a platform. It's a way to bring people together. And it's always and this one, you know, was called a National Commission for Democracy in Mexico. It's had a very, very clear mission, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Here in the United States before the zapatistas, I was part of a movement right that we believe that that a revolution or or a democracy in Mexico is bound up intimately with any democracy or revolution in the United States mm. that one or the other can't can happen right. um, so that's that's how I got involved.
1: That's awesome. Did, um I heard through the grapevine that you you spent time in Chiapas, too is that is that true no well I went to visit oh, okay. well not to visit but to go to
3: meetings and to conferences oh, with cool. the zapatistas but um um i I'm someone that doesn't recommend going there I mean I'd rather that sure. you send the money to zapatistas and buy an airplane ticket right and go and go there but it's also okay to buy a ticket and go there as part of, of commitment to doing work
1: Right, yeah, um, just
3: yeah. Tourism, so, yeah. yeah So, um, yeah, because one of the things that happened to the National Commission for Democracy in Mexico is at a certain point the Zapatistas said, we want you to be Zapatistas in your own trenches. And they yeah, didn't want us to right. be Zapatistas. They wanted us to organize uh, in the United States to, to really stop the, the disaster of the United States from continuing to happen in other people's countries. If you talk to Palestinians, they'll tell you the same thing. They'll say... Can you guys get your act together and organize, and you know, stop the U.S. war machine and stop all the funding that they do to Israel and so forth, right? So it's a it's a it's a big order, right? there are asked a lot of the revolutionary movements are always looking towards the U.S., right? That here is the here is one of the main struggles for justice and democracy worldwide, and that we do have an impact abroad, even though um, it's very hard work, right? It's very very hard work. There's very little space right now because of the right wing. And, and growing um, the you know extreme uh, right wing climate that has emerged in this country over the last mm-hmm. ten, or, ten or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really hard work t- to do here um, yeah yeah so it's extreme. good to go there and visit and learn, but they but the Sabateses also want to learn from us, believe it or not they, they're not they're not they're not so arrogant that they think they have the solutions. That's been one of the hallmarks of the Zapatistas since the very beginning, since nineteen eighty four. Is after they, they, they started the negotiation with the government, they they convened all Mexicans of all walks of life and they said, We want to know what you want us to do. And they actually went to the to the the rainforest in Chiapas, right? There was thirty five thousand of us in a conference that was it was divided up into work groups around different topics. Wow. Um, you know, like democracy, indigenous rights and culture, women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, how to how to abolish the state? It was in 35,000 people. You know, we spent like a week talking nonstop, and then we went to the rainforest. You know, in the biggest caravan I've ever been in. It took us 48 hours to get there, even though with was norm- under normal conditions it's probably a four-hour drive. But it was that many people trying to you know drive into the rainforest. Wow. And we spent another few days there talking and then this and then everything that, that the group said, that's what the separatists took as theirs and they and they took it with them into the negotiations with the government. And they've done that consistently throughout since the very beginning. They did again in ninety five, ninety six, ninety eight, you know, every almost every other year since then they convened people to think what what should we do? We want to learn from you. And they're really incredible in that sense, right? Because they don't—they don't necessarily need to listen to anybody, but they—they they want to walk. They don't want to walk alone. They want to walk together with us. They don't want to think alone and think that they can solve everything. They, because they, from the very beginning, they said this is a civilizational crisis that we're—we're—we're we're, we're taking on. And North American Free Trade Agreement (NAFTA) was just a piece of it. And when they said back in 94 that NAFTA represented a death sentence for indigenous people, they were really right. Right. Because Mm -hmm. what happened with NAFTA, um, when NAFTA started is when the disappearance of women started, they call it femicides.
4: Right.
3: You know, thousands of women have been killed and disappeared. Uh, Tens of thousands of migrants have been killed and disappeared. Um, In the last maybe 12 years or so, 15 years, maybe, Almost 300,000 people have died in the narco war in, in Mexico, a war that still continues going on. And most people in the United States don't even have a, a clue about what's going on.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So when the Saudi said that, that in 94, it resonated with a lot of people because there were so many changes happening in our communities. We were being dispersed. People were being forced off their lands. Mm-hmm. When you get forced off your lands, right, off your, off your communities, your communities get destroyed. The communication gets busted up, and it's really hard to be who you're supposed to be when you're, when you instead of being seen as as someone that knows the earth, knows the soil, knows how to take care of the land, you're just seen as an industrial, you know, farm worker, you know, that's that stoop labor. Whereas here in California, all the people working in the fields that produce all our food, they actually most of them know how to do sustainable agriculture. Right. But do we do we allow them to do that? No, because the point of agriculture is not is not to take care of the land and take care of people but to make profits
0: Yep, and that goes on and on like that right it just continues in this vicious cycle yep Yep. yeah thank you so much for sharing all of that that was i feel like that answered a lot of the (laughs) follow-up questions that we were going to have like um uh the next one was just could you give a brief overview of the zapatista movement but i feel like you did you did a lot of that you did the origins you did um not like of the movement but also just when more revolutionary action started to happen like after um what's it called like after nafta and like after that Mm -hmm. was passed so um you did a lot of that (laughs) you did a lot of that answering already and um Let's see. But yeah, uh, if there's anything that you didn't mention, like how would you give the briefest of brief overviews of the Zapatista movement um, for those who are not familiar with it?
3: Well, first of all, the EZLN is a community-based army. Mm. Uh, That that might sound like a strange thing to say in the U.S., right? But they're accountable to their communities. They they follow all the protocols of the Geneva Conventions. You know, they have a hierarchy. Uh, you know, of command, there's people under and that the civilians are respo- are ultimately responsible for the UZLN. Um, that's one major thing that's different. Uh, sometimes some people have compared them to the Black Panthers, right? Mm. Because of the, the Black Panthers 10-point program. Right. Mm. Um, and the difference is that one major difference with with how we organize in the US, right, is that they're a land-based movement. Anytime we talk about indigenous struggles, you're talking about land and mm-hmm. territories. Yeah. They're inseparable. Um, indigenous people are inseparable from the ecological systems and ecological way, uh, uh, fair is that how you say it in English, mm-hmm. that that they emerge out of and they identify with the land and pe- the people are the land, right? So right now, for example, um, there are, there is part of the big challenge that's happening right now is that there is these, they call them mega projects. Here in the U.S., we're surrounded by mega projects, but they're so normalized we don't even realize what's happening to us. Mm-hmm. But in Mexico, there's a new development. going on mega projects. There's something they call the Maya Train, which is this huge train uh, railway system that's going to be like a a tourist complex, oh. and mm-hmm. it's destroying all this rainforest, all this all this natural world, all this nat- uh, parts of the natural world. And when they're going through, they're tearing down like a swath of of the rainforest. They're also running into a lot of um, ruins from the Mayans and other indigenous peoples mm-hmm. whose lands they live, have lived on there for thousands of years. Wow. And but this uh, Maya train ride is is a way to bring in tourists and money into the region. They're going to have super, they want to build you know mega hotels and yeah. you know make it make it amenable to people that you know don't know they think they're going to be going to the rainforest, but they're actually going to be going to a capitalist Disneyland type of mm-hmm. <laughs> A resort area that yeah. after they get through with that. So there's a big resistance against it. Another ones there's a mega project of of the like with wind there what do you call them in English? They're wind farms to generate electricity, oh, right. right? The same thing. They're gonna create this huge wind farms on indigenous lands in southeast Mexico. And there's another interoceanic corridor they're trying to build from the you know, from the Pacific to the Gulf Coast through oh, Mexico. And all of it is going through indigenous people's lands. Mm-hmm. And there's massive displacement. There's massive uh, repression um, going on in Chapin itself, right? There's a. It's accompanied by the encroachment of, of cart of narco groups, and also of paramil- right wing paramilitary groups that have existed since night since 1994 and have been used by the government on and off as as a low intensity warfare, right? That mm-hmm. they turn on the turn on the heat and and this has been happening increasingly over the last almost three years now, where uh, right-wing paramilitary groups have been attacking the zapatista communities and other indigenous communities that are autonomous and have forcibly displaced thousands of people in, into the into the mountains mm. who have had to flee for their lives and they've had their livestock their clinics their homes their schools you know their their food stocks destroyed uh, deliberately right to make them try to force them to leave mm-hmm. the area so they so they can be basically, and, you know have police control of the region so they can right. continue building the mega projects yeah. and it's a really it's a really big development right now because there it's a it's a really hot conflict armed conflict that's happening and the Southeast have not have not fought back in this they have not shot back I should say they have organized and they have they hold the government accountable still saying you have to, these are your people and and even though some of the people that are attacking them are also indigenous, they, they take a very broad and deep view, saying these are our British sisters, and they're confused, right? And they don't want to shoot back because they'd be shooting back at their own people, which mm-hmm. is what the government mm-hmm. wants.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's a really complex situation, right, because of the, of the economic capitalist developments. And at the same time, they're facing a very powerful indigenous movement that knows what it's doing, and it's right. going to be very hard to dislodge them and to and to defeat them. And it, and that's the big danger that exists right now. Um and this has been going on and off since 94, right, because when the sub come out, they, they take on the biggest mega-project of all, which is North American Free Trade Agreement, right? That mm-hmm. NAFTA had several several uh, um, uh, technicals, right? It had agriculture, yeah. it had labor, it had uh, energy, um, and it had um, access to uh, resources, right? And, and all those three things, People, people have suffered and people have uh, lost their lives, and families have been displaced. Right, when NAFTA gets um, made, right, one of the things that happens is that it gives no rights or protections to people who are going to be displaced, and it says the burden is going to be on you. If you're going to be displaced, don't try to cross the border. Mm-hmm. And it was in 1993 and 94 that the militarization of the border began. The border wall beginning uh, began in 1994, and it has not stopped since. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a Trump thing. It's not right. a Biden thing.
4: Yeah.
3: It's not an Obama thing. It's all of their thing actually. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Clinton in 1993, yep. when they signed the North American Trade Agreement, because between the Republicans and Democrats, there's almost no difference in terms of immigration
4: mm-hmm.
3: and border militarization. 100%. It's the same. They have the same policies, and they have a different way of implementing. It. If you look at what Trump did and what Obama did, for example. Right. Yeah. Obama deported more people than Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump, you know, inherited the system that was built under Bush, and, the, and Bush inherited the system that was built under Clinton, and Clinton inherited the, the system that was built under Bush, and Bush inherited the system that was built under Reagan right. back in the 90, 80s. I mean, and it's it's a policy that all the, the ruling class and the political parties all agree on, and on that, a lot of people kind of are mistaken, right, that Biden maybe, you know, is more humanitarian right. and so forth, but he, he right. he's not, hasn't changed anything. Right. And and neither did Trump and neither did Obama, right?
0: Absolutely. And then
3: going back to the you know, the the that the impact right of the mega projects, which are rooted in the US as well, they they displace people. And then people go to where their resources are at, believe it or not. People are coming to this country, right, because they are being because US capital displaces them and mm. they've come to where their resources are at. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're being integrated in a in a very uneven and forceful way, and this is some of the things that I've learned from working and supporting the Zapatistas, and also our own struggles here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, no, it's like super complicated, and I love how you pointed out that the sort of attack on immigrants and indigenous people is more than just like a Democrat versus Republican thing, because I think a lot of people in contemporary um, society get really caught up in those differences, but at the end of the day, they aren't different in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So thank you so much for, for getting into the details of that. Um, and because it's like such a, such an important project, um, could you sort of describe the role that the Chiapas support committee plays and what type of projects you're most passionate about? Um, and also like what have been, um, most helpful for those Zapatistas?
3: um so the Chapa support committee was formed in 1998 it was also part of at one point it was also part of the national commission for democracy network that I described before hmm. and the Chapa support committee um has always had a, a sisterhood a sister sister relationship with with one of the one of the 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 regions there in um in in Chapa, right where with one of the they're called Caracoles, snails. They call snails in Spanish, and it was a sisterhood right where we were. We were supporting, raising funds to, for example, at one point we helped build a pharmacy, uh, like a clinic or a pharmacy warehouse. Awesome. Another time we helped them build schools, and we were supporting the, the they call them educator uh, promoters, mm-hmm. education promoters. Um, and so that's what we've done. We've all we've never we kind of listen and say, okay, how, what can we how, what can we do to help to support your efforts and. They've always um, answered with their proposals about what 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 kind of support they need, mm-hmm. and it's not what we think they need. Never right. has been that, and we continue doing that work. Right, um, since the pandemic hit, a lot of things. You know, they they were the stuff. went into like everybody into um, sheltering in place of sorts, and things changed and things slowed down. But not the not the not the repression, not the paramilitary groups and stuff like that. Right. Um. Right now, what we're, what we're working on is it's called El Sur Resiste, the South Resists, and it's going to be a, a gathering that the Zapatistas are, are holding with this, the CNI, which is the Indigenous National Congress, the, the Congreso Nacional Indígena. The CNI is a federation of indigenous organizations that have that banded together and, and formed this Congress in 1996, and the CNI is 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 a uh, is organizing across Mexico with different communities, including Zapatistas, to resist the mega projects that I described earlier. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a meeting in Chiapas at the beginning of May, uh, to bring people together to think out loud and figure out what do we do together to resist these these uh, mega projects that are encroaching on, on our lands and on our way of, of life. And they threaten they really threaten life they threaten, they threaten, um, everything. So we are organizing an educational campaign to raise more awareness about the mega projects. Mm -hmm. And we are also organizing to, you know, uh, to raise awareness about the conference and ask people that can go, that they're interested in going uh, to attend. And there's four areas, right. That we, we see, you know, that coincide with, um, with the work that people are doing in, in the United States. So we want to, you know, we think that the, the El Surajiste conference is a way to connect movements ac- against, across regions and borders against the, the mega projects. For example, the, the, the Dakota Pipeline is an example mm-hmm. of a mega project, right? and both of those, the Maya train and the, and the Dakota Pipeline, they forcibly displace people and destroy, destroy the natural world, destroy water, um, we also want to connect local communities with the sub the communities there to form sister-to-sister, uh, you know, uh, relationships to support each other, each other struggles in their regions.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And we also want to draw the connections between U.S. U.S. Uh, capitalism and the mega projects that are affecting the southeast, and then the criminalization of struggles that is taking place in the U.S. Um, We're also wanting to connect that this as Azulista as also. Um, is a way to expose the militarization, militarization of borders, the militarization of our communities, mm-hmm. the militarization of education, and the militarization of policing that's happening with the same, um, they're both interconnected, with what's happening in Mexico and what's happening here in the US with the police and, our, and our, our struggles for justice. And then of course, you know, directly like what the Chiava support committee support the autonomous projects of the Sabatistas communities. So we want to be able to, you know, encourage people to find out more about the maker projects to work with us and work together against the maker in the U S and that we're going to be holding some online meetings in the, in, in March and in, in, in April and in May and for the rest of the year to continue bringing people together to talk about the maker projects and figure out what actions we can do to, to, uh, to uh, resist this latest phase of capitalism that we're all, um, associated with the, the decline of Trump, with mm-hmm. the, what Trump has done to the country, or what Trump has done to expose what is, was evident to a lot of people yeah. before Trump. Yeah. In other words, yeah, the, the, the racist violence, uh-huh. the disappearance of women, and the uh, ongoing attacks against Indigenous peoples mm-hmm. as well in the, in the U.S. So that's, that's what we're doing right now, is this campaign called El Sur Resiste, the South Resist, mm-hmm. And try to organize solidarity with the these and indigenous communities in mexico here in the us
1: that's what do you awesome. think about that that's great no yeah. it's it's so inspiring like seeing people organize like that in the global south is like yeah it's like i don't know it's nothing we can talk about this later too we're gonna take a little music break in a second but it's not really anything comparable to like what we have here in the united states like there's there's organizing and there's radical communities and there's mutual aid and there's uprisings here in the United States Um, but uh, it's not nearly to the same degree as Indigenous folks.
0: Right imagine coming together and listening to each other that's (laughs) just a crazy that's a crazy thought to a lot of
1: people that's insane yeah Yeah,
0: 35,000 people that's like everyone in UC Davis coming together (laughs) and talking about a common theme or a common vision that we all have for the future and for our environment like that's amazing and what you said like in the end of the conference like all of everyone who attended the conference just returning returning to the land which is like just the base of the basis of life and the basis of the continuation of life and i thought that was really beautiful and um yeah it just there's a lot of conflict between um you know i mean obviously the broader enemy is the one percent and the capitalist ruling class um and you know it's just sometimes it's hard for people to hone in on the common enemy and they just see each other as the as a common enemy if they don't agree on like little things but you know making compromise and coming together and forming like a common vision is very inspiring so thank you so much for sharing that
1: yeah and we're gonna take a little music break um and then we'll be back in a couple of minutes with some more questions
0: okay all right we'll hop to a quick song real quick Thank you. The song that we just heard was Neon Lights by Senor Coconut y Su Conjunto and it's off the album El Baile Aleman and I think this album was really great. It's a lot of, I don't know, just a whole, I, I was just telling Juniper it kind of sounded, that song specifically sounded like elevator music, mm-hmm. but in a good like, way. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. it's just very nice. I love the whole album. Um, but yeah, I'll, back to the questions. Um Again, just to bring us back, if you're just joining us right now, you're listening to No Police Radio here on KDBS 90.3 FM, and um, we are here with um, Arnoldo Garcia from the Chiapas Support Committee, and um, they've just been answering some questions for us, talking about the movement, the broader movement that's um, going on in the Chiapas region, region of Mexico, and um, what groups in the United States, specifically in Oakland, have been doing to support that broader international movement. Um, And yeah, we've, I think you've talked a lot about, um, you've talked a lot about how these movements just connect to other, you know, other violations of, you know, indigenous rights to the land and indigenous practices, and you've connected it to broader movements. Um, But I did want to circle back to a comment, a specific comment that you made that um, there is, a like a like a civilian formed standing army and um it has like its own hierarchy and everything so and that's kind of how they collectively come together and um form like an armed group and i just wanted to ask if you could speak a little more on um let's see if you could talk a little bit more on police if there is policing um, or prisons in the Chiapas region, and is there a carceral system? And if not, how do communities in Chiapas deal with conflict um, in a way that doesn't involve the state? How do they deal with it in their communities?
3: Well, in the Batistas communities, they have a restorative uh, just a restorative court system, if you want to call it that. You know, where community members, you know, hear conflicts and things that happen between the relationships in people, right? It, it might be as simple as, well, not as simple as, for example, marriage, a marriage that's, that has gone wrong, you know, mm-hmm. or something, or a marriage that someone does not want to enter into,
4: mm-hmm.
3: even though promises were made and, and mm-hmm. gifts were exchanged. Yeah. Um, or somebody builds a fence and it, it encroaches on somebody's, uh, it's, you know, land, mm-hmm. you know, where their meat bus are at, their, their fields are at. Mm-hmm. And even people that do not live within this that but the zapatista territory they prefer to come to the zapatista courts because they're more fair mm-hmm. right because they're restorative there's a restorative system in place where people gather together in assembly and they dialogue and they you know try to figure out how to how to resolve the issue in a non-punitive way and, right. and as opposed to imposing fines and you know taking people's property away whatever that may be and making things you know, worse as opposed to working things out so that everybody um, walks away with a better understanding of the situation and that they all get what they need. In other words, if someone needs mm-hmm. more of what, in a restorative system, if someone needs more more attention, they get more attention. Mm-hmm. Not here in the U.S., right, when somebody needs support, instead of getting more support, they get more punishment. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, in other regions of Mexico, like in Michoacan and maybe Guerrero, Oaxaca, there's a couple. Michoacan, for for, for example, the indigenous communities have, in some places, they have kicked out anybody and everyone that has anything to do with the political parties, with the police, with nice. the army. They kick. They literally separate. You know, the front desk people. If you were, if you were the secretary, or you were the postman, or you were the you know local community police beat officer or you were some, you know, head of the, you know, the government association for small businesses, every single person like that that, that was, was associated with the government power structure were kicked out, literally kicked out of the community mm-hmm. because nobody could be trusted. They could yeah. not be trusted because that was the system. The system is not, right? it's not a, you know, a building. It's people, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they formed their own police. They have a community police. Um, they have their own courts. And they do have their own jails. I'm not sure how they function, right? Because I'm not there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they still have a lot of, you know, socialists that are uh, associated with with private property, right? Where mm. people don't are not having all their needs met. In in um, the Zapatistas have their own government, and ro- and people are elected, but they're rotated every. I can't remember. It's every six months, every six weeks, right? And the people who are elected have to do what they're elected to do. And if they're not, if they don't do what they're supposed to, to do, they get, they get recalled immediately.
4: Mm.
3: Right. Their, 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 their um, motto is the, um, the people, the people or the people uh, command and the, and the, the governors li- uh, listen and carry out their command. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very clear mm-hmm. who's in charge. Right. Um and then everybody gets to run the state, right? The state that they have, the autonomous the autonomy autonomous state they have, because they do have a state, a little state, if you might, even though don't mind my English, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but the thing is that it's not, it's it's all volunteer. There's and the only power that exists there is that what the people say has to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating, right? That there that anybody and everybody has to learn how to run the system that they have.
4: Right. And here
3: it, in even. You know, here in the U.S., even even if it's a grassroots candidate, right? Once they get elected, how, how often do they, you know, step down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost never, unless they lose an election, right? It might, it might take a generation to throw them out, or you know, like, or to vote them out. Yeah. Um, so it's really fascinating that. But those are all relationships. People sit down in dialogue. They dialogue, they sit in circle and dialogue. They talk and talk and talk. Their values. They talk about their values constantly. And they're, they're all held accountable to their values, to what they say they're going to do, not to what they say, what they're saying, but they, what they're going to do. And here in the United States, we actually have very few opportunities to t- really talk what's about the, what really is at the center of our hearts, mm-hmm. what's the most important thing to us. And once you start talking about what's important to you, then things change because then the way you behave, the way you conduct yourself, the way you do things changes. Because right right now there is no accountability, even in, even in with the social justice movement. Our social justice movement is a very punitive movement mm-hmm. internally. Not, oh. I, I wouldn't be. I don't mind being punitive towards the, the powers that be. Right, that yeah. we right. have to force them to change and to throw them out and so But yeah. that's a big difference. So The Zapatista and the indigenous movements—they actually have these principles. You can find them online. Mm. You know where they say in, propose, don't impose. Mm. Go down, not up. In other words, you, the the. The goal of, of participation is not to, you know, rise up in the ranks, but mm-hmm. to go down into the ranks, to, to right. go down into the grassroots, to go down into the soil, to go down below, you know, where, where everybody's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really beautiful, you know, the way things are done, you know, where people actually are dreaming together and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to do together. Uh, a few years ago, right before the pandemic, they had um, uh, an all exclusively women's conference, and no men were allowed anywhere near unless you were, you were going to... Yes. Well, not in the conference yep. they had men had no voice. They could not observe. They could not do. All they could do was childcare and cook, Hell, yep. and do all the all the work, all the logistics work. Yep. And when they finished, they the women said, "What's what's the what's the what's the agreement? What's their slogan? What are they going to do? They're going to defend life." Now mm. that, that's about as fancy as they got. Right? Their analysis is yeah. very deep. <laughs> But they said, everybody has to defend
1: life. Right. And that's,
3: that's really what the is about are about. They're saying we have to defend Mother Earth. We have to defend life everywhere. That's great. So that's like a big difference right? in terms yeah. of – I've been involved in, the, in border struggles all my life, and we have always wanted to abolish the Border Patrol because the Border Patrol yes. is like a Gestapo in, in our communities.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
3: they're not just – they're everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. The, the,
3: the, the, anywhere there's police. Uh, here here in the bay area for example the the u s mexico border is a is a political military zone and it's mm-hmm. all the way from Tijuana all the way here to the san francisco bay area yeah.
1: mm-hmm. that's
3: the border region, even though there's a border line down there yeah right
1: yeah, i remember i think i i just learned about that um during the 2020 uprisings because immigration police were um starting to target uh protesters because they have uh their jurisdiction is not just at the border, like they have, you know, like hundreds of miles above it too. Um
4: mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. No, it's thank you so much for yeah. yeah, I think you did a really good job at sort of outlining the cultural differences between United States and um Chiapas region. Yeah. Um in the so we have a couple minutes left. Um I'd love to hear about I've heard you do poetry and music. I'd love to hear about that if you'd like and then um, also, how can listeners in the area support the Zapatistas movement?
3: Um, well, you know, I think that I don't know about you, but everything that I do is in terms of getting social justice and getting mm. racial justice and getting environmental justice and getting economic justice and just getting justice and community right is that that we have time just to talk to us, to each other. Mm. Uh, we are every one of us is a, has a story to tell. Every single one of us. There's no, you know, there's no professional story. I mean, there are professional storytellers in right. the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> that make a good living, publish their books. But in my world, we, you and I, everyone listening, we are storytellers. We have a story to tell. We have our, we, we're living our lives, and and so, to me, that's that's the importance of of the poetry I do write. I live. I try to live my poetry, mm. and my poems, you know. Uh, are about that. There are stories that I've heard, or that I've lived, or that I have co-lived, and co- you know, and co-tell. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what what do what do we what do we want? I mean, I want I want free time so I can enjoy culture, so I can yeah. enjoy my family, can I yeah. enjoy my friends and comrades, mm-hmm. and and not be stressed out all the time by trying to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's all I do. I mean, that's what that's my whole struggle is that. I don't want what happened to my family to happen to other families, and mm-hmm. even in spite of that, it still keeps happening right and what happened to my family could happening to a lot of families right now mm-hmm. so you know, and I, you and what, all of us, you know we're not just activists, we're lovers, we're friends, we're brothers, we're students, you know we're next door neighbors, we're even yeah. strangers that we pass by each other every day. we might even say hi to each other we're, and we're all alike. yeah so to me, you know every day. That we live right is to is our story, and everything that we've lived is worth sharing and 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 exclaiming out loud. <laughs> yeah, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all have a story to tell, and we all have a two years to listen to each other. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Every time we have one of these shows, there is something that someone says, that a guest says, or that is a host says that just like really gets me in the heart. And that yeah, was one of that, those that things. Was it. That was I'm beautiful. I'm like sitting here Thank trying you. not to cry. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just laugh it off oh, for now, but that was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Of course. And then, um, um, sorry, one quick question. Where can folks find your, is there a way to find your poetry or is it just published um, in different areas um, or is it for yourself?
3: Well, uh, right now I'm publishing a series of chat books of Chicano and Chicana and Palestinian and, indigenous poets in north america and one of them is already published if you go to the our website it's called art of the commune if you just type artofthecommune.wordpress.com you can you can see some of my poetry there and also some of the um the new chapbooks that are coming out there you can get a copy um for the Chappa support committee all you got to write is Chiapas support dot and you'll see our blog chapasupport.org um and if there's individuals, you all included, that want to collaborate in this campaign, just, uh, just send us a, a message through our, our um, blog or on Facebook, CHAPA Support Committee, mm-hmm. and we'll connect. You know, I promise you we'll connect and we can do things together. We don't know we don't have to go to chapel necessarily, but we can <laughs> yeah. um, we can do something here together. We yeah, have absolutely. a we have an ongoing uh, we call it waffles and zapatismo because mm, we yeah, we, we provide breakfast and then we have conversations and presentations about what's going on in our communities. Awesome. And during the pandemic we did them online mm. and we're, we're coming to slowly coming back on uh, in person. Um, Um, We also have an annual cultural festival. It's called the Milano Zapata Community Festival. Mm. It's held around August, and it's a day long. You know, we have music, poetry, live painting, uh, Zapatista art and stuff, and it's all free, usually in the park in Oakland somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's called Comparte, and it it was started by the Zapatistas in 2016. And in 2016, just to make the story, they... because they had announced that there was going to be a collapse mm. and they wanted to prepare the world for it and they didn't know how it was going to be and what was going to happen so they started consulting with people so they brought together art, artists and cultural workers and, and they brought a bunch of scientists and, and philosophic, philosophical thinkers and they had these international gatherings, right? Mm. And they predicted that there was going to be a collapse and then the, and then yeah. the pandemic happened right. and they were uh, probably the only community that was ready for it to right. be honest with us and with ourselves, Right. Right. Um, anyway, so we have Comparte every year, and, and it's really to get to hear each other's stories and to and to hang out together, eat some tamales, drink some, some uh, champurriada or agua fresca, right, enjoy mm-hmm. each other's company, enjoy the, enjoy the sun of it's sunny and enjoy the culture of our community. And It's all, you know, community poets, community musicians, painters. We, we have a great time. And you know that's whenever we come together, we always have tamales or food to share because that's that's how it, that's how it was raised, right?
0: Right. Yeah.
3: My grandmother said anytime anybody shows up to your house, you then offer them at least water, and if you have food, feed them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Big believer in that as well. All of those sound like awesome community spaces. I'm excited to check out the websites and when we post this recording um, up on the no blog site um or up on our blog will definitely include links to all of these um we'll definitely include links to uh the art of the commune wordpress as well as the chiapa support website so i'm really excited to um i'm really excited to make this public as well and make access to support systems public and Again, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, I know there's only so much we can talk about in yeah. 30 minutes or an hour or however long we were talking. <laughs> we well, definitely have you back yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. we'd definitely love to continue. I also, I also want to thank
3: you all because what you're doing is really, really important. It's really important you know, that you have a register called No Police. Um, and the, yeah, so I just want to thank you for doing that. It's it, really important work.
0: Thank you very much. Absolutely
3: critical and essential.
0: Thank you. Same with your work. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing your time and space and energy with us. Yeah, thank you so You're much. You're welcome. My right? pleasure. A... we, we got to do it
3: again sometime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
3: Yeah. When, when people come from the El Sudo Conference. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that would be, be great. Okay, stay in touch, everyone. Absolutely. Sweet, thank you. Thank you. Have a good you. one. You too. Bye-bye. That was amazing. Oh that, that was, was awesome. I, was like, I had so many more uh, follow up questions. I know. I could
1: have talked for like I, yeah two hours. Or
0: I know. I yeah. Even an hour and a half, two hours is like not enough, honestly. Yeah. Cause sometimes people come on the show with so many everyone we've had is so brilliant mm-hmm. and has done so much. And I know I know you mentioned everyone's a storyteller, but oh my god, some are definitely better than so, others. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I have a good memory for that
0: oh yeah exactly it's the memory that fails most of the time but that was great i really wanted to oh my god i had so many questions um i mean i'm part salvadorian so Mm. i definitely wanted to talk about um how these movements kind of like transcend borders in the global south especially like mexico going down into central america and um especially in el salvador and honduras and um those regions just like the indigenous community is alive and strong and sustains the economy in such an insane way and um i don't know that's i really loved yeah. everything that they shared but i would love to still keep in touch and talk more oh, about yeah. that hopefully in the future but um <laughs> i'm like where do we go from now where do we go now it's always so hard to follow up um all of the lovely words that our guests yeah bring to the table um i don't know do you do want a little music interlude we could do a music do interlude and then close out fancy
1: elevator music on. i think we could i don't know if this
0: next song is elevator music but
1: i mean i mean elevator anything
0: music, exactly <laughs> exactly if you listen to it in an elevator it's elevator music so Facts. yeah so if you're in an elevator we're gonna play some elevator shout music out. for you shout out if you're in an elevator um but yeah i'm excited to close out unfortunately but um Yeah, we'll go ahead and jump to the music and then we'll be right back here on KDVS 90.3 FM with No Police Radio.
5: You've heard about the opiate crisis. Opiates are powerful, pain-reducing medications prescribed by doctors but they can also be very dangerous. In fact, most overdose deaths involve opiates. So what can you do? A lot. Trouble with opiates often start at home with unused medications in your cabinets or drawers. Opiates could be in pill bottles, syrups, or even prescription patches. Whatever they look like, dispose of unused opiate medications safely before they hurt your family. Find out how to remove the risk at fda.gov slash drug disposal.
4: Hi, this is Willie Nelson, and I need your help. Our marijuana laws are terribly unfair, and they make criminals out of law-abiding citizens. Nearly 2,000 Americans are arrested every day on marijuana charges, and we are unfairly destroying the lives and careers of hundreds of thousands of people simply because they smoke marijuana. These are not criminals, they are average citizens like you, good neighbors who work hard, raise families, pay taxes, and contribute to their communities. And it's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. We need your help to end marijuana prohibition once and for all. It's the fair thing to do.
0: For more information, contact NORML, the national organization
5: for the reform of marijuana laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at NORML.org.
1: Common sense baby. all it takes to keep your family healthy this flu season. The California Association for Nurse Practitioners says simple steps like frequently washing hands, getting plenty of rest, and reducing stress can help ward off the flu. Simple steps for a healthy America.
0: Oh, right the song that we listened to that if you were in an elevator it was elevator music um but other than that it was just music um it's called earthbeat by the slits and it is off their album what album is this return of the giant slits that was mm-hmm. the um that was the thing and i think they classify as like a punk band but that song wasn't nice. super punk depending on how you describe punk it wasn't like super hardcore but I guess the lyrics could be punk yeah it's subjective yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah so I think we're gonna run through our last segment like our usual bad cop good project segment um really quick uh it's not gonna be super super detailed we do have like six minutes together but um do you want to talk about the good project first
1: sure um yeah, I think the good project is a you know it could take up the rest of our time. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um. So recently we had a No Fash Fest. Uh. Let's see. That was last Thursday. Thursday. I don't know the days of the week. Um. But it was great. There was um. You know, just a coalition of of radical organizations in Davis and Sacramento. We had cops off campus. We had decarcerate SAC. We had uh disability justice um students for palestine
0: i don't think sjp was no, there they there were at a conference okay. this there weekend was someone from yeah but we had yeah. the strike kitchen there they the were giving kitchen. out pancakes mm-hmm. those are the best pancakes i've ever had in my life and they were vegan yes so that was crazy
1: you, i couldn't even tell
0: yeah i know they, they just tasted fluffy and delicious
1: yeah. we also had some uh screen printing which the uh, shout out the artist I don't know their name. Oh, um, Eric. Eric, yeah. yeah, super good, super well done, and he they were just like, oh yeah, I just did this last night at like two in the morning. I was I'm like what?
0: And it's like the coolest design <laughs> you've ever great. seen in your life. Yeah, it's so detailed. Know, yeah. Yeah, they're I got crazy one of those
1: flyers put up in my bathroom, so I get to look at that every time. Every
0: time, <laughs> every time. you can just imagine taking a dump on fascists. Yeah, so. peeing
1: on TPUSA
0: hmm interesting (laughs) not that we encourage people to do that but you know if you feel so inclined um we're not gonna say no either but let's see yeah so that was that was awesome i always love community events like that um i remember uh something similar happened in like the 10-year retrospective of the pepper spray incident here on the campus that was like a you know result of the occupy uc movement and you know all of that jazz that whole story um but yeah, that uh, community events are just awesome. I love yeah, And yeah, it's really interesting because um, I know TPUSA had folks with like these big news cameras that cost like thousands of yeah. dollars and they were, I guess, waiting for something to go down. But like it was literally just people hanging out. Right. Yeah.
1: They were like expecting something.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, this yeah. is kind of it. It's just people gathering in a community space and eating pancakes
1: being anti-fascist
0: being anti-fascist <laughs> exactly um yeah, nothing right. really more than that it was yeah. just a lovely lovely afternoon and the weather was so great honestly Fantastic. no not a lot of wind sun was out for the most part mm-hmm. <laughs> had some killer music
1: yeah but yeah might be an annual thing
0: might we'll be see, an annual. We'll, mm, we'll see we'll see um yeah excited to see what is coming up next um and i guess for the bad bad cop there are just so many like yeah But at the same time, we can hone in on like a community, on a community perspective um, and talk about how recently UC Davis Police Department was gifted $70,000 to work on bike safety, their bike safety campaign, um, which is really interesting because, um, I mean, content warning, we're talking about a student's death in the next couple of minutes, but um, when a student got hit by a garbage truck like Mm -hmm. and the police responded like the person who was at the scene giving CPR and giving help to the person who was hit Um, like they put out their own experience like with the police department who just came and while they were giving CPR they were just like asking questions about like what did you see like not offering help at all not that that's their job anyways like their job is to like it's just like a reactive response to quote-unquote crime but like you know they did not keep that person or the person who ended up passing away safe at all and um it's crazy because the california aggie also put out an article this was in the uh issue that came out on thursday february 16th and it was a article titled traffic in silo bus terminal area raises concerns about bike safety and basically the article was basically talking about how asucd is already taking steps Mm -hmm. to improve bike safety on campus and pedestrian safety on campus without the $70,000. Like they're already, you know, they're, it's already happening. And guess who these community, guess who these members are? They're members of the community. They are students who are concerned about student safety and concerned about the safety of their peers and their community. Um, So yeah, they're trying to implement different measures like crossing guards and um, just community safety. And I guess they didn't need seventy thousand dollars to do it. That's crazy. But they also crazy <laughs> how that seventy K could like hire a team separate from the yeah, police to exactly. like do that same I job. So much. Like if yeah. I got seventy K to do that job, I would gladly do it. I yeah. could make everyone love bike safety oh, and pedestrian yeah. <laughs> safety. But um I don't know. I we have like ten seconds left. So like
1: Yeah. Um let's do I wanna do a quick shout out. Um so The person that connected us to our guest today um, is the host of a show, Radio Infomar, and they'll be interviewing uh, Alejandro Morilla. I don't know if I said their name right, so my apologies. Um, But they'll be interviewing them on Thursday from 5 p.m. Uh, They're a poet laureate from San Francisco, and they'll be talking about um, Palestine conflict. Um, So yeah, feel free to check that out.
0: Yeah, and that's going to be right here on KDVS 90.3 FM again on Thursday. Um, the show is Radio Infomar, and it's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So keep a lookout uh, if you're interested in listening to that episode. And I'm really excited to tune in. Yeah. Um, and again, thank you for listening to No Police Radio here on KDVS 90.3 FM. Um, and we'll be back in two Mondays, Mm -hmm. two Mondays from now. So that's March 7th, no,
1: six, March March 6th. I was close.
0: Um, yeah, March 6th. Super excited for that. Um, and yeah, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna move on to the next show, but once again, thanks for tuning in and you're listening to KDBS 90.3 FM.